Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to a brand new series of Germany in Focus, a news podcast made possible by members of The Local. Today we're talking about a court case involving a naked landlord. We'll talk about children's medicine shortages and we're getting into the latest on transport strikes in Germany. The German government has been appealing for people to consider moving out of cities. We'll talk about why and share some views from the local readers on what it's like to live in the countryside. The 49 euro ticket has started. We'll talk about how the first days are going and we'll get some expert analysis. And we'll finish off today by talking about some amazing events that you should definitely check out in Germany this month. I'm Rachel Loxon and I'm in Berlin today with journalists Aaron Burnett and Imogen Goodman. Hello to you both. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Great. Yeah, great to be back. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. New season. <laughs> Did you have a good long weekend? Did anyone do any marching, demonstrating for workers' rights for May Day? Or partying or all of the above? I would say my May Day, which I do absolutely love in Berlin, uh, was definitely more on the partying side than the marching side. Mm -hmm. um, sadly, in Berlin, it used to be the case that the two events kind of were combined. You had sort of the party was part of the march and the march was part of the party. This year, they've, they've kind of separated it. But I did my fair share of open air partying in honor of workers' rights. We love it. Indeed. Um, I had a friend of mine in town who I hadn't seen in a long time, so we checked uh, some things out. Although there's spots in Berlin, no, notably uh, Gürlitzer Park, uh, mm -hmm. for one, that get extremely crowded on May Day. I'm not sure if you guys uh, saw those photos or if you happen to come down yourselves. <laughs> I did see uh, it. Yeah, I mean, but there would be no way to get in contact with you because uh, with those kinds of crowds in Berlin and Germany's overwhelmed cell network, you can't contact anyone <laughs> when uh, when you get close to an area like that. But it was um, also a beautiful sunny day out, uh, which people were clearly enjoying uh, on May Day, you know, mm -hmm. so finally, <laughs> yay. Yay, definitely. I did notice it seemed much more chilled out than usual. I feel like in Berlin, it's, it's known for the riots and the intense demonstrations on the 1st of May. And even the police said that this was one of the most peaceful May Days. Yeah. Within Since May. 1987, I think that they said they hadn't had one that was this peaceful or had, you know, the, this few number of arrests or incidents or sort of thing. Very, very um, altogether, very peaceful day, as they've said. Yes. Well, well, I also wanted to say that I missed you both very much Aww. and I'm very excited to be here talking to you. Oh, we, we missed, missed you, you too. too. <laughs> Back in the oh, booth. Bless. Back in the booth. Okay, so I think we should start off by talking about a wild story that combines some typically Germany-related stuff like nudity, courts, and renting. Ooh, that does sound like a German story. Like very a typically, German. stereotypically German story, yeah. 
So a business in Frankfurt tried to argue that they should be paying less rent on their premises because of a naked landlord. Aaron, can you explain a bit more about this story? Yeah. So um, the human resources company in Frankfurt uh, was renting space in an otherwise more or less residential building in Frankfurt West End. And the landlord lives in that same building. And he liked to go out into the common courtyard and sun himself in the nude. As uh, you do. Yeah, exactly. I know. Um, well, as some people do, apparently. The company complained uh, and they stopped paying their rent. And that's when the landlord sued them for the unpaid rent. And the court sided with him, saying that there had been no, and I quote, grossly improper act. And also that the use of the, of the property hadn't been uh, impaired by uh, his nudity. Mm, okay, so is it actually against the law to be naked in Germany on your property? No, Perz. Uh, in general, being naked on your own property is totally fine in Germany. Uh, German law on this in general follows the principle of Hausrecht. So basically, my house, my rules. You can sun yourself in the nude on your balcony, for example. Uh, what can sometimes be relevant are laws on public nuisance. Uh, basically, are you bothering anyone? Uh, public nudity basically follows this rule most of the time in Germany. If you're walking naked in your garden um, on your own property, but there's a lot of hedges obscuring the street's view of you, uh, for example, you're totally legal. Mm -hmm. uh, even if there aren't, you're not really illegal unless somebody makes a complaint against you. In this case, the landlord was in an enclosed courtyard of a building that he himself owns, and property owners generally get to decide here. Otherwise, how would some businesses legally tell their customers to cover up, for example, at a restaurant. So the opposite case. But also in court proceedings, apparently um, the court essentially said that uh, in order for the workers at this human resource company to actually see this naked landlord sunning himself in the common enclosed courtyard, they would have had to, you know, be looking for it. They would have had to crane, <laughs> had to crane their neck or open the window or like, you know, to, to take a gander. And so the court basically said, well, no one made you do that. <laughs> wow. So, so they were just, they were looking for that. They, they were. wanted to see it. Possibly yeah. there was an unfortunately angled mirror at the wrong part of the office, sort of reflecting the view if we're being, uh, we're being kind. Yes. <laughs> that and might have happened. Very bad. And as, and as you do, instead of moving this mirror, you, you, <laughs> you. Withhold you, rent. Withhold rent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> logical. I mean, this is good to know with summer coming up, isn't it? you got to know these rules. Absolutely. I've got my strategically placed plants on the balcony ready <laughs> <laughs> for my summer activities. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So this is obviously quite an obscure and funny tale, but getting a rent reduction in Germany is no laughing matter. It's actually quite a common thing, isn't it? It is, yes. Um, and this is actually something that foreigners may end up missing out on uh, because they're just not aware of what their rights are. But according to some data from the Tenants Association, uh, around a fifth of all their consultations with tenants are actually about defects in the property. So cases like this, which are generally grounds for a rent reduction of anywhere between about 5% to even around 40%. So the word defect sounds a little bit vague, but generally it's any time the flat falls short of the condition that it was supposed to be rented in. Mm -hmm. uh, so that might include cracks in the walls in an extreme case or maybe damp or mould. You might have faulty heating system or facilities like lifts or intercom systems being broken. 
could also be less tangible things, uh, not necessarily a naked landlord, but perhaps a bad smell coming from the Hinterhof every time you open the window. Mm-hmm. One very common complaint, though, is noise. So either from inside the building or even outside of it. It could be a neighbour playing loud music late at night or construction work that disturbs you while you're working from home during the day. According to letting agent Prameda, noise, mould, insufficient heating, lack of hot water and building work are the most common reasons for rent reductions. So if in doubt, if you suspect maybe you should be getting one of these rent reductions, it's probably worth speaking to a local tenants association about the problems that you're facing and just getting a sense of what a reasonable rent reduction could be. Stuff like this is usually decided kind of case by case, but you can find ballpark figures online that give you a sense of what you can ask for. That's really good advice and we'll include an explainer in the show notes with a lot more information on that so you can get to know your tenants' rights. German doctors recently joined their colleagues in France, Austria and Switzerland in writing a joint open letter to their health ministries about a shortage of many children's medications. Aaron, what's going on here? So, Rach, uh, these pediatrician or children's doctor associations in all these countries got together to warn that these shortages really are Europe-wide. Pharmacies and doctor clinics are short of a whole laundry list of medications available in children's doses, as they obviously cannot, uh, in most cases, have a full adult dose. In particular, short supply for kids are fever suppositories um, to bring your temperature down if it gets uh, really too high. Cough syrups, uh, pain medications, even penicillin is short, which is a common antibiotic. So what do these doctors want the government to do? Well, doctors are calling on health ministries to address this problem, including by bringing back more of the critical supply chain of these medicines to Europe. Um, A lot has been relocated to Asia in recent years, and the pandemic put pressure on that. Uh, Specifically, China's zero COVID uh, policy, for example, caused a lot of shipping delays, which um, has led to some of the shortages here. Health insurers, though, uh, in Germany in particular, also haven't kept up with how inflation has sent the cost of producing these medicines up. So that basically means that manufacturers of some of these medicines are getting the same amount of money to produce something that has become a lot more expensive to actually make. So some have actually gone out of business uh, as a result, contributes to the shortage as well. Pharmacists in particular also want a reserve of antibiotics in the country, a strategic reserve. None of these things uh, is anything that is likely to be able to be fixed very quickly, unfortunately. Okay, thanks for that. Aaron, and this is a story we'll keep an eye on. Let's move on and have a look at what's going on with transport strikes in Germany. If you've been trying to travel recently, whether it's on local transport in some cities or trying to get the train across the country or a plane, you may have come across major disruption. Imogen, are they still happening and what can we expect in May? Well, Rachel, there's good news and bad news on that front. Uh, The good news is that one major dispute in the transport sector has been resolved. And the bad news is that at least two are still ongoing. Uh, So you may have heard that Verdi, the huge services union, managed to come to an agreement with local governments last month. They were pushing for higher pay for workers in local public transport, so trams, metros, buses. And after weeks of really intense negotiations, they eventually settled on a huge tax-free bonus and a 5.5% pay rise for their workers. 
that's really good news because things had become increasingly tense um, over the previous weeks and there was even a possibility that Verdi would call an unlimited strike in order to get the pay rise they were asking for. So that might have meant weeks or even months of chaos. Unfortunately, though, even with this new pay deal, it doesn't look like commuters and holidaymakers are entirely off the hook just yet. Verdi is actually negotiating another contract at the moment on behalf of some regional workers in the rail sector. Uh, so there, there have been some more localised strikes recently in places like North Rhine-Westphalia, Bavaria and Baden-Württemberg. Mm-hmm. But the really big thing happening at the moment is the ongoing talks between the rail union FAG and Deutsche Bahn, which have become really quite bitter in the last few weeks. Uh, so the third round of talks was actually broken off early at the end of April with both sides kind of saying that the other side wasn't keen on negotiating, wasn't negotiating seriously and had no desire to come to an agreement. Um, So FRG and DB aren't actually due to sit down with each other again until the end of May. And we're highly likely to see more warning strikes happen before then. What's quite worrying is that we're hearing from AFLG now that the next round of strikes could be a major step up from the previous ones. Uh, So until recently, they've been pretty restrained and their strikes have only lasted about a day each time. Now it looks like they're really planning to ramp these up. Um, And they've said the next round of strikes could paralyse the rail network potentially for weeks on end. That sounds like a lot. So that would be high-speed trains, people travelling on the ICE services. Absolutely. It would be high-speed trains, also potentially regional trains. You might even see S-Bahns out of action. All of these are run by Deutsche Bahn. So all of these could be affected by this next more intense round of strikes. Good to know. And should we expect more airport staff striking too? Because we've seen that as well, right? Yeah, Rach, we definitely shouldn't be surprised to see more airport staff strikes. Very similar to train workers, airport security staff uh, in particular and the Verdi Union have very similar demands of their public uh, sector employers, much the same as the train workers that Imogen was just talking about. They've been very willing to strike and have already done so at airports around the country. Uh, in At some airports, more than one leading to many cancelled flights. The two unions have also shown a willingness to work together and strike at the same time. So you'll remember that there has been at least uh, two sort of mega strike days in Germany in the last couple of weeks where both long-distance trains and uh, many airports were just out of commission for the day. And that really is the two unions working together sometimes to kind of maximize their leverage. Expect to see more strikes until a deal is agreed, uh, usually with about two days notice, uh, they they tell you that there's going to be one. Should we expect any other airport disruption? Possibly. Uh, last year was a hard year to be an air traveler, with airlines having laid off many workers during the pandemic. Now Lufthansa bigwigs in Germany have said they're hiring more staff, and 2023 should be better. But we are also hearing from other sources that not all the necessary staff have been hired. It could be a rough year again. Uh, also, the Verde Union representing the air airport staff that we were just talking about says one of the reasons why they're campaigning for higher wages and why they need to be raised is to attract the necessary workers. Without increases, the union says it could be hard to fill some of those jobs, uh, risking some more further backlogs over time. Mm-hmm. And also, I would add, guys, that the French air traffic control strikes are causing some problems across kind of European air traffic. I was affected by that flying back from Portugal recently. So that's something to keep an eye out for as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. 
Let's move on. So there are lots of great things about living in a German city. For example, public transport is great. There's so much that people can do. And German cities are usually very international places where you can meet people from all over the world. But what are the good points about moving to the quieter side of Germany, the rural areas? This has become a talking point recently because of a few reasons. One, the pandemic meant that a number of people did move away from cities into suburbs or the countryside. And two, there's a real nightmare housing situation in many German cities, which is pushing some people out. Imogen, I believe the German government is actually appealing to get people to move to the countryside. Is that happening? Yeah, that's right. Um, and I'd imagine anyone who's hunted for flats in somewhere like Munich or Berlin or Frankfurt recently will be fully aware of just how desperate the housing situation has become. As we know, the government has been aiming to build uh, 400,000 new homes per year to kind of tackle this uh, this shortfall. But for various reasons, they've barely managed half of that uh, for the past two years. So now they're actually pinning their hopes on some 1.7 million empty homes that exist already. But as you can imagine, they're not located at Berlin Alexanderplatz or Munich Sendlinger Tor. They're generally in more remote rural areas where there's much less demand for housing because the flow of migration has generally worked the other way in previous decades. It's been people moving from the countryside into the cities and not vice versa. So that's why there's now this kind of big discussion happening about about how to make life in the countryside more appealing to people, and especially families with young children. The housing minister, Clara Gievitz, who I believe is located in Berlin herself, yeah, has been recently, city. absolutely, has been, has been singing the praises of life outside the cities for other people, um, saying that these areas offer a really great quality of life and just a bit of respite from the daily grind and noise of the city. That said, there are also painfully aware that more needs to be done to make these areas genuinely attractive to people. Mm-hmm. So the main two are digital infrastructure, so things like a good Wi-Fi connection so people can actually work from home or work remotely, and also this is the big one, better transport connections so people can access nearby cities and towns without having to rely on a car the whole time. Mm-hmm. Another thing they're trying to do um, as part of this kind of move to the country campaign is pouring more money into preserving local town centres to make these places just a lot more livable and lively. We've probably all been to rural towns and villages that just feel a bit sad and a bit empty, a bit run down. So that's really something they're focusing on now to try and kind of revamp and revitalise these areas. Aaron, do you think that people would actually consider this? I guess a lot of it depends on personal circumstances circumstances, right? Well, for example, I'm a Berlin gay. It's a hard no for me personally. (laughs) Um, But for some people, it might make a lot of sense. The rent you are currently paying in some cities for a one-bedroom flat now might have gotten you a significantly larger place years ago for your family. But more affordable large places are still up for grabs in the country. Uh, If you're buying in particular, you might be able to get a four-bedroom house in some areas for a deposit that you might actually manage to be able to save for. Add that 
that to the fact that you're only having to come into the office uh, certain days of the week because of home office, you might be willing to make a longer commute if you have to do it less often. Of course, as Imogen was saying, you need certainly two things for that, you know, a decent uh, Wi-Fi connection for home office and also decent public transport connections to be able to commute into the office when you have to. Where those exist, perhaps a certain 49 euro uh, ticket <laughs> that has just been launched might make those commutes a little bit easier as well. So uh, there's there's a few things that living in the country uh, has going for it. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. For the right person or family. Yeah, I definitely could imagine this being more interesting to families or people who are very settled here. I have actually heard of a few people recently moving out of the country because of the housing situation in Berlin, you know, you know, thinking, well, I'll move to another European city or something. Uh, yeah, a lot of people, I think, have uh, considered Portugal as another kind of option, maybe yeah. with less bureaucracy and less of an intense housing situation. But again, the uh, I think it's almost happening everywhere at I the moment. I think it's bad in Portugal, yes. actually. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's not like it was five or ten years ago and things are moving at a very fast pace, just like they are in Berlin and Munich and Frankfurt. We recently asked readers of the local what life is like in small towns in semi-rural or rural Germany. Imogen, what kind of feedback did we get on this? Well, the feedback uh, we got from people living in these smaller towns and villages was actually overwhelmingly positive. So 85% of our readers who responded said they definitely recommend that people move to a rural area. And the majority of people uh, picked three things they really, really loved about life outside of the big cities. Uh, So the first was the quality of life. The second was the feeling of being close to nature. And the third was just how affordable it was, as Aaron mentioned, to live outside of these big metropolises. One reader who lives in Tripstadt, a small mountain town near Kaiserslautern in Rhineland-Palatinate, mm-hmm. uh, told us she really appreciated the fact that being in this rural area has kind of forced her to learn German, really integrate and just get to know both local people and the local culture. Uh, so we also had another reader um, who moved to a small town not too far from Munich in order to get kind of bigger family home. And she said that she really appreciated being able to afford a much bigger house and far bigger than they might be able to get in Munich, uh, for example. They also said their kids had made loads of friends at school and that they found neighbours were always up for a bit of a chin wag, as long as you can speak a bit of German. So that's the the big but there. Yeah. (laughs) 
However, there were also a few downsides mentioned, and the big one was the lack of public transport connections. So one reader who lives in Heinburg near Frankfurt said he really felt quite isolated after moving out of the big city. Um, He's actually from a big city in his home country, so the contrast was quite extreme. The commute was a bit of a pain, and he said he also just felt that rural communities in Germany, as you might expect, are a little bit less welcoming to foreigners than maybe the big city council. Counterparts. Mm-hmm. Other people also mentioned that it can just get a little bit boring in these areas. Uh, maybe things closing by 6 p.m. rather than the sort of all night nightlife that we see elsewhere. And they just would really appreciate more community events, maybe a more lively kind of sense of community there, especially for younger people, just to liven it up a bit. Really nice. Thank you so much to you both for that. Germany's new 49 euro monthly local public transport ticket finally started on May the 1st. And today we thought we'd talk a bit about how things are going so far and also about some cool journeys that you can take with it. Aaron, what's the verdict on the first few days of the Deutschland ticket? Well, as popular as this Deutschland ticket is, uh, setting it up has been messy and the rollout has also been a huge, gigantic mess as well. Of course. <laughs> yeah, keeping to tradition. But um, part of the mess really is uh, because the ticket has proven to be so popular. Um, one estimate holds that 3 million people have bought it so far, including 750,000 people who've never had a public transport subscription before. One of the goals of this ticket certainly was to get more people using uh, public transport, and it definitely seems to have succeeded in that. Uh, However, Deutsche Bahn's website crashed due to demand, and there were huge last-minute lines at service centers like Berlin's Alexanderplatz. Uh, There's definitely some growing pains with implementing this particular ticket, for sure. And even in the run-up to the ticket starting, it became apparent that there were some very confusing deadlines. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, The rule of thumb, as always, is that nothing is ever quite as simple as it should be. And again, as Aaron mentioned, it's really another one of these teething problems that we are seeing with the Deutschland ticket so far. So the 49 euro ticket has been on pre-sale in several states for quite a while now and uh, Deutsche Bahn started selling it nationwide uh, back at the start of April. But I'd say most people probably had it on their to-do list uh, to sort of purchase one of these sort of a week, maybe a few days before the start of May. And here's where people may have started to run into problems. Uh, So depending on where you want to purchase your ticket, say if it's a local transport um, operator, seems like there are different deadlines for actually getting your subscription. So we recently found out that in Berlin, BVG set a deadline of April 10th originally to buy the ticket. Um, And then they extended this to the 20th. But in Munich, you had a deadline of the 25th. So you can imagine some people may have tried to buy the ticket and then just found, well, it's now not available. What's useful to know, and what a lot of people in this situation may not have known, is that Deutsche Bahn, in contrast, actually lets you set up your subscription right up until the last day of the previous month. Uh, So that would be an option or would have been an option if you missed those other deadlines. If you still haven't got your ticket and you were kind of hoping to do a sort of nine euro ticket style sort of spontaneous purchase, 
that still is possible. There are sort of one or two apps where you can purchase a ticket, even for the current month. Uh, one of those is called mo.pla, Mopla. Uh, so don't worry, you haven't missed the boat just yet. One thing that's a little less flexible is the deadline for cancelling your subscription. Uh, the deadline here to be aware of is the 10th of each month. So if you do want to just set up your subscription for one or two months, just make sure you meet that deadline or you may find yourself lumbered with the ticket for much longer than you want to be. One thing that we all know about Germany and people know if they have lived here is that contracts and deadlines for cancelling contracts are a minefield. They are an absolute nightmare. They are a league of their own. Kundigungsfest. Oh, yeah. A German word to frighten many people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. At least it's a monthly rolling contract. I know that uh, one or two gym memberships I've had for at least a year or two longer than I um, wanted to or at least longer than I ever used them. <laughs> so. Yes, indeed. Great. Okay, so Transport Minister Volker Wissing described the ticket as the biggest fare revolution in public transport in Germany. I asked Professor Christian Böttger, a rail expert from the Berlin-based university, HTW, if he agreed with that. You know, it's a revolution, but into the wrong direction. Really, you think so? Please expand. What do you think? I mean, it costs an awful lot of money. It will clearly subsidize the people who are using public transport already. To, to get the bullet points first, um, I don't think it will have any significant impact on the usage. That means actually you, you will have all the current users benefiting from the decreased prices, but it will not generate significant, a significant number of new users. And the advantage that is said, you can use a ticket in any city in Germany and so will only benefit very few people who really travel a lot, which is not the majority of people. So uh, the benefits will, will not really be broadly spread. And the idea that it has any social impact by decreasing the burden on rather poor people, this is just wrong because they normally, they already have access to cheaper tickets that are cheaper than 50 euros already. And right now, there is no decision being made what new product will be used for them. Actually, the states are discussing giving new subsidies to them on top of the 49 euros. But that has not been decided yet. And the main obstacle, in my view, however, is that it's going to cost something like between four and five billion euros with hardly any impact. Yes, the users will get a little benefit from that. Most users, those in the cities, will benefit a little bit. I mean, currently in most cities, you can see a public transport ticket costs something like 60 or 70 euros. So people will benefit from 10 or 20 euros per month, which is nice to have, but not a game changer. Plus, once you are in a, in a different city, yes, you can use public transport as well. That's not a game changer. Those who are really benefiting are those in the suburbs um, who currently are paying something like 150 or 200, sometimes even more per month for their tickets. They will have a heavy decrease in the cost that they have. However, those are mostly people. I mean, we're talking of millions and there's always counter examples to be found, but most of them are rather well off. Those in the living in the suburbs are not those really poor people. And so a significant share of the subsidies um, will go to the middle class living in the suburbs. So, Christine, do you have any idea of what you think would have been a better route for the German government to go down with maybe a different type of low price mm. ticket or something else? Yes. If you look into the outcome of the nine euro ticket, you can see 
that it has had no impact on really people transferring from one mode of transport to the other. Yeah, there was no impact at all in the cities. I mean, it was really a depressing finding that I said there was no more passengers in the trams, in the metros, in the buses. There was a little bit more traffic, but this was mostly additional traffic in regional trains. Yeah, retired people spending a day going to the seaside and eating a fish sandwich there. But that has no positive impact whatsoever. So, and, and given that, I think the data were available that money isn't the core thing of really changing transport habits in Germany. Uh, different, I mean, everyone talks about the poor people or so. No, but it's it's not a money matter, but it's a matter, as I said, um, the quality is not good enough. And I mean, clearly we have a capacity constraints in sort of the big cities. That's one thing. For that, mainly you need new infrastructure. They're going to take time. But what you have to see is at the moment, the government is dedicating $2 billion a year for building new rail infrastructure. And it used to be $4 billion, and they, they shaved off half of that over the last 20 years. And not talking about inflation. Uh, and for, for just an unfocused subsidy now, boop, they easily spend $5 billion per year. And so I think the main thing is you need to build new infrastructure and dedicate more money for that, which does not have a short-term impact. And then I think there's a number of smaller issues. They're all not sexy or attractive, but you have to look at them one by one. What can you really do for a short-term impact? What you can see is, for example, that in many cities, there is hardly any movement in specific bus lanes that you have privileged traffic lights for trams, for example. Berlin more or less stopped doing that. In the countryside, there is some room that depends a lot from the region that you are in. But in some states and some districts, there is no coordination whatsoever between the trains and the connecting bus lines. Yeah? And last week, I just visited a village on the countryside that said that typically the bus always leaves one minute before the regional train arrives and a bus that goes only once an hour and that makes it totally unattractive. We have a very complex system of public transport authorities and ticketing authorities and you could easily simplify those. Um, you could try to get to a nationwide ticketing system that makes it simpler for customers. So there would be a lot of smaller approaches how to make public transport more attractive. But this revolution, actually, it will cost a lot of money. It will cause a lot of extra effort to repair the negative impacts of that. And so it really it has been a step into the wrong direction. That was Professor Christian Böttger there. So let's stick with the Deutschland ticket for a moment. Imogen, you've been researching some of the longest regional train journeys that people can take with a ticket. What do you recommend? So theoretically, you could really travel anywhere in Germany using your Deutschland ticket. I actually have a friend who did an absolutely epic journey from Berlin to Heidelberg solely on regional trains last year when the nine euro ticket was running. So it can be done if you're really, really keen to save money and don't mind spending a solid 10 hours or so hopping on and off random regional routes. That said, you can actually go surprisingly far on some of these regional trains without having to change at all. So one of my favourites of these really long regional routes takes you all the way from Falkenberg-Elster, uh, so basically the far reaches of southern Brandenburg, 
all the way up to Stralsund on the Baltic coast, so via Berlin. This does take a full five hours from end to end, but you do have the option to stop off in the capital or at lovely little spots in Brandenburg along the way. I would recommend Kloster Korin, which is a beautiful old monastery. It's gorgeous. Uh, another great option is what I'm unofficially terming the wine route, uh, which I'm guessing will Ooh. be a favorite of Aaron's. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sounds exciting. So happy. This one, I'll tell you all about it, Aaron. You can go on a winding journey from Koblenz uh, to Mannheim, so not too far from Heidelberg, and you'll pass through places like Trier in the Mosel Valley, which is famous for its Riesling. Yes, it is. It's a delicious Riesling. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. Um, so people in Bavaria are also pretty spoiled for choice, actually. One cool journey you can do takes you almost the full length of the state, from Munich uh, to Hof near the Thuringian border, stopping at the lovely medieval university town of Regensburg. And another is an absolutely awesome route between Leipzig in Saxony and Nuremberg, so two of the most interesting cities, in my opinion, in Germany. That sounds beautiful. Thank you so much. <laughs> we need to get on these trips. I know. I'm getting some Wanderlust just yeah. kind of talking about it. I can't wait. <laughs> We're going to finish off today by talking about some great events happening across Germany this May that maybe you can reach with the 49 euro ticket. We're well into event season because the weather is getting a lot better. Aaron, what have you got? Well, you know me, as we've just been discussing, I like a good wine. <laughs> and I'm very, very, very excited to try the, the wine route um, on, on regional trains. But there is actually a significant wine festival coming up later this month that is not, as it turns out, in the classic wine regions of Germany. So not in the Pfalz, not in the Rhine of the Mozell, but it is actually in Bavaria. Yes. In the um, beer capital. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the the, um, the Würzburger Weindorf in Wurzburg is actually one of the most significant wine festivals in Germany. Uh, and it attracts 100,000 wine lovers uh, who can sample over 100 local wines uh, from Franconia and area in northern Bavaria. And it is running from the 25th of May or so to June 4th. Uh, so you can get in on that a little bit later this month. Really good to know. So one I'm really looking forward to this month is Japan Tag in Dusseldorf, uh, which, as the name suggests, is just a really big celebration of all things Japanese. Not many people know, but Dusseldorf actually has the largest Japanese community in the whole of Germany, which might kind of explain why Japantag is the biggest Japanese cultural festival in the whole of Europe. So it's just for a day on May 13th, but for this day, the riverbank is set up with colourful craft stools, there's performing arts stages... You can see samurai presentations or take part in things like sake sem seminars, board games, calligraphy lessons, and even kimono fittings. Obviously, which is going to be what I'm making a beeline for, there's a ton of absolutely delicious food on offer as well. So if you are a fan of sushi or ramen, you'll be absolutely spoiled for choice. Sounds fantastic. Okay, so I'm talking about the Chili Fest in Berlin today. This is taking place on May 20th and 21st at the Berliner Berg Brewery. And this is an annual celebration of chilies and hot sauce with added in beer, cocktails and food. There's also going to be some live music, comedy and burlesque, apparently. Oops. Yeah, and chili growers from across Europe will be there and people can buy over 1,500 chili plants 
or they have the choice. And hopefully not eat them at the same time. <laughs> yes, that would be dangerous. <laughs> yeah. And this is for people who love hot and spicy food, who maybe want to grow their own chilies at home or just try some hot sauce. And it is run by the amazing Neil Numb, who is a comedian and chili farmer from Edinburgh in Scotland, who's been in Berlin a long time. And he's a really great guy. He is an absolute character, um, but always has a new project on the go, always something exciting. Um, and I have to say, I just think hats off to him for starting a chili festival in Germany of all places, uh, the place <laughs> where they even have two grades of paprika, uh, Edelzus and Feurig Schaf. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It's not, yes. it's a spice that isn't paprika. That's the most exciting <laughs> bit of this chili festival. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Germans are not known for loving hot and spicy food, are they? They are not, but I'd be interested if, if this is the start of a new wave of, uh, of German cuisine and something a little bit more spicy. Maybe yeah. the actual chilies in their currywurst. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, I would, I would be game to try a few chilies. As long as I don't have to grow them, someone else can do <laughs> You that. don't have to grow them. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel like Neil Numb, he is the guy who's going to convince the Germans, isn't he? I feel like, yeah, absolutely. He's the one to do it. <laughs> That's it for this week. Thank you to all our listeners. And as always, we'll add links in the show notes for the stories we've been talking about today. And please leave a review or a rating wherever you get your podcasts, especially if you liked us. This week's panelists have been Imogen Goodman and Aaron Burnett. Our guest was Christian Budger, and our sound engineer is Rhys Edwards. We hope you enjoyed listening and we will be back again next week. Until then, take care. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.